Greetings, PBIC. Welcome to the Post Church Podcast, a time where we reflect on the Sunday sermon and answer some practical questions. My name is Neil, and I'm here with Pastor Billy and Pastor Sean. Today we are in the parable of the net, Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 to 50. Pastor Sean, give us what you got. Thanks, Neil. In today's passage of Scripture, we went through the parable of the net. Um, The net that Jesus spoke about in this parable wasn't the typical casting net um, that most of us can envision, Um, but this net was something like half a mile to a mile long. It was anchored to the shore and anchored to the boat and would sweep across an entire span of water, capturing everything in its path. Ultimately, Jesus lined this parable up with the great judgment, and how everything, every living thing that was caught in that net would be judged in the end. Thank you, Pastor Sean. Um, So this sermon was uh, very, very, um, it was a very eye-opener for a lot of people, especially me as well. Um, We talked about judgment here. Yeah. Um, So... This is one of the, we don't hear much about the preaching and teaching of, you know, like the doctrine of hell in modern American evangelism or evangelical churches. Um, talking about this, the doctrine of hell and everything about it, is it, is it valuable? Should this be at the forefront of our uh, ministry? Should we preach about it more or should we preach about it less? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of difficult to look at something like that and put a percentage on it necessarily that we should preach 15% more about hell or 25% more about hell. But I think we can agree by and large that we should probably hear about it a little bit more than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had said in the sermon, when you look throughout the breadth of Scripture at all the passages about judgment and hell and the end, there's one person who taught about it more than anyone else, and that was Christ our Lord. So if it's something that Christ emphasized that much, then it's safe to say that it's something that we should consider quite a bit. So then why are we not hearing about it as much Mm -hmm. then? I think... What's behind that? I think what's behind it is is kind of goes back to what Neil said. It's it's a very uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. It's a very uncomfortable thing to think that there is this sort of a demise for those who don't call Christ Lord. That's a very uncomfortable thing to consider, and I think that we naturally mm. shy away from it altogether. Could also be, in a way, people are... I don't know how to say, like, guilty or thinking, are they going to go to hell? Mm-hmm. In a way, you know, if they, they don't want to talk about it, it's something that's, you know, um, right. real. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think in a similar, you can look at the doctrine of heaven and eternity and the doctrine, doctrine of hell kind of together. Right. And I think... At times, we we might struggle with thinking about heaven mm-hmm. and its 
tangibleness. It's it's reality, mm-hmm. right? We get these notions in the popular culture about heaven, you know, that are very ethereal and like floating on clouds and this kind of thing. When yeah. when we talk about the etern- eternity and a new heaven and a new earth and it being an embodied state, right? There's a, mm-hmm. tang- there's, a there's a reality to it. So that same thing, I think we can bring over to the doctrine of hell as well, right? Right. To bring it in and say, no, there's a, it's it's something more tangible than we might want to think sometimes. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think a lot of what Neil was initially saying goes back to a, a sense of, of balance. Mm. We hear so much about grace and and mercy in church every single week, but it's a grace and a mercy balanced against the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if we're just heavy on the grace and the mercy, we're not getting the full picture of it. We're not getting a comprehensive understanding of, of all of Scripture. Yeah, when I mean, you talk about that understanding of Scripture, I think this is something we miss sometimes, is that I think oftentimes when we talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? there's this understanding that the Old Testament is heavy on wrath, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that the New Testament is low. heavy heavy on grace, right? Mm-hmm. And somehow yeah. low on wrath, right? Mm-hmm. When in reality, right, if you look at the breadth of Scripture, mm-hmm. there is wrath and grace presented in the Old Testament, and both of them yeah. are brought out in the New Testament mm-hmm. um, and elevated and accelerated yeah. in a dramatic way. And if anything, magnified. Magnified, both, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's really, but I think sometimes we have this, this Old Testament, New Testament notion yeah. of wrath and grace in that sort of way. But if we're going to be true to Scripture, uh, we see that God's wrath is at a, at a level at a right and righteous level that is even hard for us to comprehend in the same way that his grace. In the same way that his grace is. In the same way that yeah. his grace is. And that's a full and a comprehensive view. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I think one of the other, I mean, one of the things that you mentioned in the sermon that really <laughs> stuck to my heart was about the Sodom and Gomorrah yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you care to illustrate or yeah. go into well, that, because that was... What, what, what I had said was that um, in Matthew 10, uh, Jesus is commissioning his disciples to share the news of the kingdom. And he says to them in Matthew 10 that for those who decline this message or who turn away from this message, it will be better for those of Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for these in Matthew 10. And that's just a, a startling thing to think about when you go and you read Genesis 18 and Genesis 19 right. and you look into Sodom and Gomorrah and what, what really happened there. It's terrifying. But what the reason that Jesus said it this way in Matthew 10 was because the folks in Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have Jesus walking mm-hmm. among them. Right. Yeah. They didn't have God incarnate, God in the flesh, walking among them and sharing this great news. And, and, and what I did with that was, was just kind of tie it to today. How accountable are we? Yeah. How accountable are we on this side of the cross where we have all the resources that we have, where we have... The account of Christ's life and death and burial and resurrection, and we have the church and we have community and we have all these things in this day and age. How much more accountable are we? 
you know, what's what's the what are the consequences mm. of rejecting Christ? Yeah. Versus Christ being rejected on your behalf upon the cross. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Like that's that's a, heavy. That's a stark mm-hmm. sort of juxtaposition, right? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Pastor Billy and Pastor Sean. Um, that was quite uh, fruitful. Um, Pastor Sean, what are some questions that we can think about this week? Sure. Um, for this week, the first question is, how often have we really considered that those who profess Christ are genuinely our brothers and sisters? And that being said, how often have we been there for our brothers and sisters in their time of need? The second question is, kind of ties to what we just talked about, with the abundance of resources that we have at our disposal between the scripture, books, the church, have we taken advantage of them enough? So um, if you've had the opportunity to um, come to our church and and be a part of the service, you'll know that, um, that music... And worship is an, an important part of our regular Sunday service. And um, we try to be very intentional with the songs that we um, have as part of our worship service um, in making sure that the content is theologically sound and also uh, fruitful and beneficial for um you know, our, our lives in Christ. Um, and we're pretty, I would say, fond of hymns yeah. right here at right so. the church. Right? We do sing a fair amount of them. And, uh, and there's a reason for that. They're, um, <clears throat> uh, one, they're, um, they have a history to them, right, the, that we are connecting with a history of believers that, are, um, that have sung those songs, right? Mm-hmm. And they've somehow stood the test of time in that sort of way. I think that's an awesome thing. And also, um, just some rich language and biblical grounding Mm -hmm. in them. Um, But there can be a challenge sometimes uh, with uh, hymns where, you know, some of the language can be dated, Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? So there can be a struggle if you're not familiar with it to know what's being said. Um, It can also be... um, you know, sometimes we may not get all the biblical allusions that are within the hymn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a lot of like actually neat backstories to mm-hmm. a lot of these hymns as there well. Are. So mm-hmm. we uh, thought it'd be a good opportunity in the podcast to uh, delve into that uh, for a bit in a new segment that we'd like to call Hymn Talk. So today we will be looking at one of the hymns that we sang today uh, called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing and um, talk about the fascinating story and message um, behind this beautiful uh, hymn. So just a backstory, as Pastor Billy was saying, you know, we talk about the, the author and the backstory and the grounding and the language behind it. So this hymn uh, was written by a man named Robert Robinson, who was an English clergyman, hymnist, and a theologian 
born back in the 18th century in uh, Norfolk, uh, England. So a little backstory on him. So he wasn't always a Christian. Before, when he was, the thing about him was he had a very rough, troubled childhood growing up. So his parents, uh, you know, I think they were like lower class working people. Uh, and although his mom's family was wealthy, his grandfather basically disowned his mother because he, she married someone common or low class. And basically, in a nutshell, they were, didn't get any money, basically destitute. He, so through that, he just had a really rough, rough childhood doing being an indentured servant to a barber and then involved in a lot of debaucheries and, you know, street gangs. And then one day he encountered uh, the renowned evangelist George Whitfield um, preaching the sermon, The Wrath to Come. And basically, after hearing it, he had that conversion. And um, this is around when he was 22 or 23 years old. And years two or three years later, he wrote the hymn, the beautiful hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And so we see it through these real lyrics. It's a deeply personal hymn to him, but also reflecting his own spiritual journey and um, also talks of themes of grace, redemption, and just thankfulness of God's blessings. Um, and yes, it is was written in the 18th century, and we do, there are a lot of words that are used in this hymn that we can, you know, second guess, not even second guess, just like, what, is, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, we can go through, you know, one of the, the first stanza itself, you know, come thou fount of every blessing. I, when I first was listening to the song, it's just come thou fount, but actually there's a comma after come. It's like come thou fount of every blessing. Huh. You know, like it's, there are so many things in this. And in the opening verse, it's so we find like the author is recognizing the God's the source of all blessings and basically the streams of mercy that never cease to respond with sounds of loudest praise, you know, just expressing gratitude and offer God's abundant grace in our lives. And kind of, you know, I was looking at that and it's like kind of like a parallel to how we pray, like acts we use, ACTS, mm-hmm. first coming in, adoration, mm-hmm. speaking of the blessings, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the chorus that goes to the next, praise the mount, the mount of thy redeeming love and the mount here, I guess what's we're talking about is Calvary, right? Jesus gave his life on the cross. The mount of thy redeeming love, mount of Christ's redeeming love shown through his sacrifice. Going, there's a lot of verses next to it. We come to the, here, what is it? The, here I raise my Ebenezer. That's another big, anyone... Right, if you have no context for that, right, um, you don't know what you're saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're just, I did not know you, what that you, meant. You're just seeing <laughs> that, right? So um, that word Ebenezer, right, it comes from the Hebrew, it goes back to First Samuel chapter mm-hmm. 7, verse uh, 12, where it talks about a essentially an altar or a stone mm-hmm. of remembrance that was set up by Samuel to commemorate God's help in battle. So here when we're saying, here I raise my Ebenezer, mm. what we're saying is, right now in this moment, I'm sort of erecting a monument to say, you know, God has been my help. Mm. And then the next line says, hither by thy 
help I come. Basically saying, okay, here in the moment I am, I'm raising this monument, and I've made it to this point only because of your help. And then the next line, and I hope by thy good pleasure to safely ride it home. That's the look forward, right? So it's really a a present, past, future mm. sort of expression mm. of praise mm. of God's help. That I've I, here I am now, and I'm going to raise this monument, and I've only gotten here because of your help and your grace, and I'm only going to sustain forward because of your help and your grace, right? It's a really beautiful, mm. mm-hmm. uh, full-bodied expression of praise. Um, and, but if you didn't know what Ebenezer meant, right, that would be, yeah, that would seven, be kind of yeah. tough. Yeah. God's, what is it? The God has helped us. Yeah, yeah, God has helped us. What What do you guys think this means in verse 2? Mm. Um, he to rescue me from danger interposed mm. his precious blood. I know that there have been times I've sung this song in the past where I had no clue what that meant, interposed. Yeah, I think that's a big theological word, huh? Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think you got to look at it in the context of where he's coming from before that, because mm. he actually, I think, alludes to the the parable of the lost sheep, right? Right mm-hmm. before that, because stranger. he says, "Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God." Right. So that, that image of that lost sheep, right? Kind of. But what did he do to rescue me from danger? danger he put himself. Yeah. In danger. He put himself in danger. Right. That's interjecting. Really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interceding for us. Interceding for us, right? And and so there you go. There you see some biblical some of the more biblical grounding, right? So when you mm-hmm. hear that language there, it, he's really alluding to that parable. Yeah. Kind of drawing us into that that mm-hmm. that idea um and that of our good shepherd who, you know, puts himself in the danger to rescue us from the danger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Brings a lot of meaning to this too, knowing that it's Robert his life when it comes to his life too, like the personal, you know, part of it where he sought me when a stranger, he's been battling his life all throughout, you know, in his childhood, going back and forth, and mm-hmm. just having. And he that. was a stranger. He yes, was wandering. Exactly. He was lost. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So Jesus never gives up, even as a stranger. He searches for us into post his yeah. precious while blood. We, while we were yet sinners. Yes. Yeah. Right. Christ died for us. Right. And coming to the last verse stands of how shows us how much we are in debt to God's grace. Oh grace oh to grace how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Was that let thy goodness like a fetter. 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 Bind my wandering heart to thee. Like a fetter. I I thought it was feathers. I kept saying feathers at first. <laughs> and well it was not that. This is this is why feathery, we're do, this is why we're doing this. Feathery goodness. Yeah. 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 No, what is what so Fetter. So I I just had to you know Google what a fetter was and yeah. you can see it. it's basically fetter is a chain yeah. or restraint that right. binds and is used to shackle prisoners. Hmm. So wow. it's a weird like to use that it's word. To dark. Let image, that goodness yeah. like a fetter. Previous two line talks about I guess like talks about being a slave to sin and then constrained to it. But then the next lines talks about yeah. the opposite, basically. Our goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to him, to thee. Right. So, becoming instead of being a slave to sin, becoming a servant of God, slave to righteousness mm-hmm. um, by His goodness, by binding or binding my wandering heart to God. Yeah. I, th- I think what's so neat about this 
him, particularly in this in this verse, is Robert, mm. the, the the author's recognition that he is um, prone to wander. Right. right? He he recognizes mm. that his flesh, even though he's saved, he recognizes that his flesh, his um, residual uh, flesh, desires to wander. Mm. And so he says something like, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Chain me, mm. chain me to your goodness because of this, this propensity to, to wander that I have. That's, that's powerful that's stuff. It's heart-piercing ending there. It's, yeah. it's, to wander. it's a really transparent and mm-hmm. bare hymn. Yeah. And you think him, and I don't know if you, you know, in your, I think in our in our minds, most people think him and think stuffy, think um, you know, mm-hmm. some like a certain level of chronological snobbery, right? Yeah, that mm-hmm. like, yeah. yeah, it's old, you yeah. know, it's stuffy, but man, this guy's just saying, laying it really out there that, man, I feel that sometimes that within me this, this this desire to go away from you and that's that scares me yeah so god keep me close to you chain me yeah chain <laughs> me to you right i mean that's it's really transparent it's really a very bare yeah. sort of writing right what was the story you were talking about uh when he was towards the end of his life or towards the end of his life yeah he he had struggled with his faith mm. in the end and there was just this uh, fascinating story where he was on a train and he was sitting next to this uh, little old lady who was singing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And um, she got to the last verse, and, and she sang, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And he said, um, he looked at her and he said, I wrote that song. And it was that moment that some say um, kind of strengthened his faith again when he, when he sat there on that on that train just a very fascinating life a very fascinating life here's my heart lord take and seal it yeah. seal it for the courts above yeah so as we end this week i pray that this hymn be a source of inspiration and just a reminder of the transformative journey from doubt to worship as we sing this as the coming weeks come thou found of every blessing Um, So until next week, let us strive to live all of life to the glory of God. Mm